G'day and welcome to the Making It With Miles podcast, where we talk a lot of shit about building and construction, renovations, all those good things associated with it, the real estate industry through the lens of a building inspector, and every now and then we dabble in a bit of personal development, because guess what? I love that shit, and hey, I'm going to talk about it. Uh, We have two different formats to the podcast. One format is called The Shed. The Shed is where we discuss all these things related to the building construction industry and the real estate industry. And as well as that, we have another format called The Journey. The Journey is where we discuss some personal development things that um, I like to get around and uh, share the love as best I can. This episode in particular is uh, The Shed. And it will be a discussion about the domestic building insurance. It is a popular discussion at the moment because while what has happened recently with Porter Davis and that going up shit creek and it's causing havoc everywhere and people are freaking out and I thought I'd just uh, put my two cents into what the domestic building insurance is, what it covers, what it doesn't cover, um, a bit of an an example of how it works and um, the costs associated with it because it is bloody expensive. Now... To get into it, the first thing we're going to ask ourselves is what is the domestic building insurance? Now, when you go into a major domestic building contract you and the contract itself is over $16,000, you are required by law to have the domestic building insurance put in place, which is more or less the builder's responsibility to put in place on your behalf. Now, the insurance itself is only executed if the builder dies, disappears, or goes insolvent. Something very clear you need to understand. This insurance is only in place if they die, disappear, or become insolvent. Now, an example of how much this actually costs uh, for a $500,000 build, you're looking at spending $4,000, okay? So there was a 43% increase in the premiums um, as of last year due to the Porter Davis issues that have occurred. So it's bumped up dramatically. So you just have to add $4,000 on top of your job for an insurance that you may or may not actually end up using. On top of that, there was 14,000 approvals in July, Australia-wide, 2023. That's between 30 and $54 million worth of insurance in a big old pile of money ready to be paid out to people that really are in need and do need the money itself. So one of the most important things to understand is that the cover is only, again, executed due to those three reasons. So if your builder, you have a dispute or you have a major issue or these defects associated with the home, now, it only falls in place if, um, again, if they die, disappear, or become insolvent. So if the builder's still operating, this insurance doesn't do anything, okay? There's other channels that have to be taken to um, make sure the builder does what they have to say. You might be going through mediation. It might be through VCAT or whatever sort of civil administration tribunal that's put in place per the state. Um, so they're your first steps if there's any sort of dispute with the build itself or the builder or you're having any sort of issues, that's the dispute resolution process is going through that. You'll find all these information in your contract itself. In a major domestic building contract, it does state the processes to take place to um, uh, if you have any disputes with your builder. So I'd be looking into your contract, seeing how that dispute process happens if your build is still operating. Now, if your builder becomes insolvent and they've just packed her up and called it quits, or they're dead, which sucks, or they've disappeared, which is also pretty common. Um, There's some things you need to understand about the cover. So we're going to talk about what does it actually cover. Now, it covers uh, a a sum of up to $300,000 or up to 20% of the contract value um, of your construction project. 
You've got two years of non-structural defects and then six years of structural defects that happens post-completion of the project. So the footings fail for some reason and you're three years in. Again, this is a coverage put in place. Now, again, it's only if the builder dies, disappears, or becomes insolvent. That is when it's needed. Other than that, it's up to the builder's responsibility to rectify the defects. And if you have a pretty hard case against them, you go through the VCAT process and then they'll have to pay to actually rectify it. So if you're unfortunately put in this position, there's another thing you need to consider, and that's the payout calculation. One thing I've come across often, and this comes from um, me actually pricing jobs that uh, builders have gone insolvent and I've come back with a price, is that the price is bloody expensive, okay? It's more than the builder had allowed to complete the project. And on top of that, it's, again, it's not something most builders want to take on. But that being said, there's certain stages of the project there it's easier and where it's harder. Either way, it's just a fucking pain in the ass and it's a difficult process to go through. When they do the calculation process, they actually assess the site for as it is. Maybe you're at frame stage, for example. They understand how much money has been paid to the builder already and they sort of balance out what's owed in between. You obviously haven't paid the rest of the project yet because you haven't got to the other stages. One thing to consider, though, is even even for normal contracts, um, most domestic building contracts, we're told what stages we're at. We're told what percentage those stages are going to be unless you have a different progress payment plan put in place, which is the method B. Let's just say it's a standard contract. It's usually pretty front-loaded, okay? So the builder's usually ahead for the entire project until completion, and then it's all leveled out. So what you'll find is you've probably paid the builder, say, 100 grand, and what's sitting on site is only going to be 60 grand's worth of work. So the issue you have here is that you've got a $40,000 balance and then you've got to complete the project. So that's going to put pressure on um, the calculation for you to get paid out what's outstanding. Um, And on top of that is you've already out of pocket. So for example, if the builder's up to frame stage, you've paid up to frame stage and nothing else has occurred, technically there is no insurance needed put in place. The, The contract would stop right there on the spot and you'll be chasing the money to up to the value of what has already been put in place, which is a difficult process. Now, when you get to a situation where uh, this has occurred, you've got your payout, that's great. You've got as much money as you could possibly grab from that insurance company because you know how they all like to operate. Um, the builder, the new builder that you're going to engage, they'll be the one that actually gets the payment from the um, insurance company themselves to complete the project. So you have to get that into another contract. You'll get into another contract. You'll have to get the whole domestic building insurance. Again, you'll be paying the $4,000 Again, it'll be a little bit less because the job will be a little bit you know, smaller in value. And uh, just to be mindful is that the insurance policy put in place will be for the works to be completed by the new builder. Anything at that past date is to be, it just falls under that initial um, insurance policy put in place. And anything else outside of that is the new builder's insurance policy put in place. So some things to consider is that Again, a lot of people always ask me, oh, I've got builder's warranty, I've got builder's insurance, everything's going to be fine. Yes and no. There needs to be certain situations. There needs to be a death, disappearance or insolvency for that actually to, to operate. Outside of that, you're just going to be at fucking war with your builder if you've got major defects and major issues, poor workmanship, whatever those just problems are going to be. Now, the industry is pretty good itself where it's pretty black and white what's acceptable and what's unacceptable. 
it's just an expensive process to go through, especially through the legalities of it. If you go through the mediation process, you can also go through the VCAT process and be much more affordable if you are a consumer. Um, and more or less, the builder is entitled to actually fix the shitty workmanship that they've actually done or caused or has come about. So again, to follow up, the domestic building insurance is put in place if they die, disappear and become insolvent. So if you do have a problem, six years down the road, the builders disappeared, this is where it's going to fall into place and that cost to rectify, the cost of the rectification process is going to come through here. So be mindful of it, understand it, when you're signing these contracts, get as much advice as you possibly can. Be aware of all these things. It's not as matter, It's not a matter of just paying a deposit, sign away and hope for the best. Perfect world, that's what happens. But unfortunately, there's a lot of builders out there that are fucking useless. And But there's yeah, most majority of builders are pretty good. So if you found any value, give it a share. Happy to help wherever we can. If you have any questions, please leave in the Q&A in the Spotify application. It's got a little thing in there. You can ask some questions like we like to answer. And uh, we will see you in the next one. Catch up. Let's go.